Let's face it, we all know the prestige and the wealth that comes from the finance industry. The kind that comes from hedge funds, investment banks, and the richest families in the world. But the industry is so secretive and so exclusive that the average person just doesn't know about it. The big question is this, how does the private equity industry work? And how are young people like us, who didn't come from money or graduate with an Ivy League degree, who hustle every day to reach our goals? How do we break into and excel in the field? Just what are the secrets of the ultra-rich? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answer. My name is Jalen Brown, and welcome to Private Equity Secrets. A lot of confusion out there in the capital raising space really has to do with how you file and legally raise capital. It's a very confusing topic because there's not really a book that answers this question very simply, and there isn't a college course that'll teach you this unless you go um, for a law degree, specifically with securities law. And information online is out there and you can find it, but sifting through all the garbage and just wrong information can be pretty hard. So I'm today I'm going to be telling you very simply what the best way to raise capital are for beginners and it's the pros and cons for both of them. There is a few acts that were passed by Congress that really have a big impact on this, but two of them in particular are the Investment Advisors Act of 1940 and the Investment Company Act of 1940. And through these acts and some others, it makes it really tricky for you to, to, to figure out how to raise capital and do it legally. But through Regulation D, there are some exemptions that you can take that don't require you to become a public company and file publicly. And if anyone out there doesn't know, IPOing a company is a huge headache. And then after that, you have to deal with stakeholders and more more um, accounting work that you have to do. It's much easier to just do a private placement and just get the, get the exemptions that way. The two biggest ones are 506C and 506B. There's some other ones out there like Regulation A, A+, crowdfunding, but for beginners, 506B and 506C are by far the easiest for you to do. These will cost you somewhere between ten dollars and $20,000 to set up with an, a securities attorney, and using these, they'll allow you to raise capital from investors. So the first one is 506B which really is a private placement. You cannot market your deal to the public with 506B. What are, so what are the benefits of doing this? Um, well, the benefit is that some of your investors do not have to be accredited. Under 506B, you can have up to 35 non-accredited investors who are considered sophisticated investors. So it can't just be any guy down the street. They have to be sophisticated, which means that they have to understand the investment and you may even have to over-disclose them compared to your accredited investors. There's a couple reasons for this. The first is that an, a non-accredited investor has a lot more to lose than an accredited investor. If an accredited investor with a $1 million net worth invests $100,000, that's only 10% of their net worth. But a non-accredited investor whose net worth is $200,000, if they invest $100,000, that's half their net worth. And let's say your investment completely tanks, they lose all their money, that's half their money gone. So the SEC really wants to protect them and um, other people out there. 
this is a pretty popular um 506b is pretty popular but it does has its, have its limitations the biggest one is that you cannot publicly advertise and that brings me to 506c 506c allows you to publicly advertise your your deal but you cannot raise money from non-accredited investors even if they're sophisticated and for those of you who don't know there's some other requirements but the big two biggest things that will will qualify you for being an accredited investor is either having a one million dollar net worth excluding your home that you live in or you have to make 200 grand or more for the past two years or 300,000 if you're married um it's not a huge bar that you can achieve later in your career, but that does um, unfortunately knock out a lot of the, um, at least the U.S. population, so they really can invest into the 506C deals. But the benefit of 506C is that you can advertise and market your deal, and you don't have to have any sort of relationship with them beforehand. Another limitation with 506B is that you have to have a prior relationship with all of your your investors, which means that you have to sit down with them, you have to talk to them, you have to understand that they're accredited or sophisticated investors, and you can't just beat someone the next day have them invest. Well, with 506C, you could do that. The other drawback to 506C is that you have to verify that your investors are accredited. So... You can't really just think someone's accredited. They say they are. You have to actually get a letter from their accountant or some sort of um, personal financial statement from them and verify that they're accredited. This is not a thing with 506B. With 506B, they could just say, I'm accredited. And as long as you reasonably believe that they are, then you don't have to do any additional work to verify them. So it really is up to you. I think it's much better to do 506C because um, for some of the reasons I outlined earlier, number one, it's much less risk to the investors. Um, so let's say the example earlier, earlier the 100 millionaire with a $100,000 investment, that's much less risk that you have than someone worth 200 investing the same amount. And I'm pretty, I would consider myself sort of risk averse. And I think from a portfolio theory standpoint, I'm not willing to put investors in that much risk. Um, unless they really want to get aggressive and really understand that it's possible they don't make the returns and it is possible that you do lose money, then I would. But I think for most people, you really shouldn't take that risk with someone's with so much as someone's net worth at stake. Also, just the fact that you could publicly advertise. You don't have to worry 5-10 years down the line when your investment is... Um, finishing and maybe it doesn't pay off you don't have to worry about them going to the SEC and complaining and then the SEC doing digging up that you ha actually didn't have a prior relationship with them beforehand with 506b that's an issue but with under 506c it's not an issue and those are pretty much my thoughts they both had their pros and cons there's good reasons for both of them um, just one last final thought for me is that if you are planning to do the 506 you have to have you have to have it in your process to get that um, that pre-existing relationship with as many people as possible and if you can get that a, a pre-existing relationship with the 100 200 um, investors then you really will be a hot commodity and you will be able to provide a lot of value to any team that you're on just something to think about 
have their pros and cons. Um, definitely speak with your attorney and double check everything that I said and make sure that um, under your state's guidelines that you are, there aren't any additional regulations you have to follow. Um, but um, yeah, those are my thoughts and best of luck. Let's raise some money and do some deals. Take care. Thanks for listening to Private Equity Secrets. If you love this episode, then please take a screenshot on your phone and post it to your favorite social media platform. Be sure to tag me in it and let me know exactly why you like this episode and what you want to hear about in the future. This helps me grow and to know exactly what content to create for you later. See you in the next one.